0: You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, everyone. Thank you for uh, popping on over here to this Zoom webinar to join us. Thank you, everyone, so much for traveling through time and space from multiple platforms to uh, join us here. Uh, we are so, so happy to have you in any space to celebrate Amakojo's bluest nude, her newest collection from Milkweed. And she will be in conversation with Alicia Harris and Ashaki M. Jackson. Now, you have spent so much time watching me fumble through the internet, so I'm going to introduce you formally to our guests, and then we will go ahead and get started because we've got some lovely reading and conversation for you this evening. Ama Kojo is the author of Bluest Nude and Blood of the Air. Winner of the Drinking Gourd Chapbook Poetry Prize, she has been awarded support from Cave Canem, Robert Rauschenberg, and Saltonstall St- Foundations, as well as from Callaloo Creative Writing Workshop, Hawthorndon, Hedgebrook, Yaddo, and McDowell. Her recent poems have appeared in The Atlantic, The Nation, The Best American Poetry Series, and elsewhere. Among other honors, Kojo has received fellowships from the Rona Jaffe Foundation, the National Endowment for the Arts, the New York State Council New York Foundation of the Arts, and the Jerome Foundation. Alicia Harris is, Alicia Harris's Is God Is, directed by Tybee Mager at Soho Rep Ola Ingse at the Royal Court, won the Relentless Award, an Obie Award for Playwriting, and the Helen Merrill Playwriting Award. What to Send Up When It Goes Down, directed by Whitney White at the Movement Theater Company, was featured in American Theater Magazine and received a special commendation from the Blackburn Prize. The play was subsequently remounted at Woolly Mammoth, Art Bam, and Playwrights Horizons. Her newest play, On Sugar Land, directed by Whitney White, premiered at New York Theatre Workshop in 2022. She's won the Wyndham Campbell Literary Prize, Mimi Steinberg Playwriting Award, Hermitage Greenfield Prize, Horton Foote Playwriting Award, Arts and Letters Award in Literature from the American Academy of Arts and Letters, and Harris is a two-time McDowell Fellow and has enjoyed residencies at the Hermitage Artist Retreat, Hedgebrook, and DeGirassi. Ashaki M. Jackson, PhD, is a social psychologist, program evaluator, and poet. Her work has appeared in Cura, a literary magazine of art and action, Pluck, McSweeney's, Cluck, Journal of Appalachian Arts and Culture, Midnight Breakfast, Sweeney's, and Prairie Schooner, among other journals and anthologies. The author of two chapter-length books, Surveillance and Language Lesson, Jackson is also publisher at of the Offing Magazine of Art and Literature. She earned her MFA in Poetry from Antioch University, Los Angeles, and her doctorate in Social Psychology from Claremont Graduate University. She lives in Los Angeles. Thank you all so, so much for joining us. We are so happy to have you here.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Nat. No. Thank you, you, you
0: Skylight.
1: Wow. <laughs> We're here.
2: Yeah, hello.
1: It. Success. <laughs> I didn't even get to talk to y'all yet. I know. So Maybe we just, you know, take a breath and
2: get here. Um, I'll do that. yeah lots of gratitude um
1: alicia shaki thank you for spending this time together tonight but also the time you spent in preparation for tonight i'm going to start with a reading and then we're going to have a really awesome geek out on the title poem of the collection so um Yeah, this first poem has a very long title. (laughs) Poem after an iteration of a painting by Lynette Yedem Boache destroyed by the artist herself. A few times a week, Yedem Boache painstakingly cuts oil paintings she believes aren't up to snuff. Instead of repriming the canvas, she reduces it to two by two and a half meter pieces. She begins again. This isn't an Ars Poetica. Once I made love in daylight. It was a Saturday or Sunday in November or July. My lover and I stumbled toward the bedroom, turning our mouths and our stock like waist. I don't remember if I undressed myself. The edge of the bed felt precipitous. I'd forgotten almost everything about that day, except the competing limbs of kissing, walking, fucking. How confused my feet were, until at last they did not touch the floor. It was my fault. I wanted so little. This is not a love poem, not a catalog of attempts. Yadem Boache doesn't set her figures in time or place. They are composites of photographs, magazine cutouts, and the occasional life drawing. She doesn't call them portraits. When she scissors her failures into unmendable bits, she aims to deter scavengers and thieves. In the room where I write this, my hands smell like ginger gold apples. For hours, I've been looking out the window, staring into the hallway we took to my bedroom. I know the sky is a blue wall. I know the walls were sky blue. Memory paints them yellow.
2: I'll keep this revision. The rest I've thrown away. Head on Ice, number five, after Lorna Simpson. She's cold
1: as a snake, she'll cut you. She was dreaming her face had been cut out of a magazine of ice formations, the color of sapphire. She wasn't cut out to be a housewife. She undressed in the middle of the night. She wasn't cut out to be a soccer mom. She was hot and kicked off the covers. She saw him disappear by the river. She peeled the apple skin into one long ribbon until she lay naked in the grass. She wasn't cut out to be a den mother. Her hands were cold, only to discount her memory. She's cold-hearted. She's, she always wanted ice sculptures at her wedding. They asked her to tell what happened, of swans. Her hands were carved from ice. They asked her to tell what happened, only to discount her memory, at least he didn't cut her face she wore a sapphire ring because you know all that trouble with diamonds the jeweler spoke of a classic cut she was cold-blooded memory fell like a bang over her eye she was streaked with melting
2: on her head she wore a glacier drifting like a wig Labor, Manhattan, New York. The Upper West Side brims with black women heaving bugaboo strollers as
1: if maneuvering horseless plows. I'm walking up Broadway with a white friend whose mother's food stamps we used as kids to buy sour straws, barbecue chips, and frosted pints of Jerry Garcia. While we zigzag between pedestrians She argues that there may be as many white working-class nannies steering double-wide strollers as black. It's hard to tell, she insists, whether the white women caring for white babies are laborers or mothers. I know we use the same word to describe work and the work of giving birth. Still, I'm tempted to call her bluff. Today, I do not want children. I recall instances when I've been mistaken for mother. Like last May, when a man clutching a fistful of blush roses wished me happy Mother's Day. Or in the subway car, as a child beside me rested his head on my arm, a nearby passenger's eyes softened at our portrait. I claimed the sleeping child then. Briefly, I claimed him. More than once, I've held tightly the hands of my twin nephews who could be confused for each other or as mine. Together, we've waited near the chasm of the street, gust of cars stealing their reflections. I've spent hours, brief minutes, tending to children
2: I in no way labored for. And then with some relief, I have let them go. And this is the last poem I'll read before we get into a conversation. A family woven like night through trees. The man asks, do you have a family? My thinking brushes the
1: air between us like a wet mark stains white paper. My mother's mother, dead 22 years. A stone house, the ants I've killed. Robin who when someone hurls toward me a small cruelty cries. Memphis in August, my twin brother crunching ice. All the cousins I've made walking amongst cedar trees. New Yorkers on New Year's Day or on the first day of spring. Not children I've birthed, but dead leaves raked into prickly hills made messy with our falling artist, skinny dipping in the ocean at night. It was family that surged and fell away. But the ties my grandfather wore on Sundays are kite tails in my closet. The mums my mother planted are tiny decadent flames. Family returns like a sun, the way a wave is always and never
2: the same. For once, It is not about the body. I listened as my friend's urge to kill herself
1: grew clamorous as a field of bells. She stank of it, her voice reeked, streaked with ringing. And as if she were wreathed in baby's breath, cloaked in a robe of Dianthus, as if she'd been washed by a river stripped of silt and mud. I drew her close, inhaled
2: her musk and brought her brow to mine. I mean to say her blood was mine. Thank you. That was remarkable, remarkable.
3: I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this book. And it's difficult to put into words, which I have tried. Um, I'm just jumping in right now. Do um, <clears> it. <throat> as part of the the offings Patreon perks, because we have a lot of individual donors that keep us afloat, we make recommendations, we tell we tell people what we're reading, what we're listening to, because we always want them to be surrounded by art. And I talked about Bluest Nude in the last newsletter. And I was like, I responded to this viscerally. Every memory that was relayed by the speaker, I could feel because it was a description of the body's memories or the body's participation in memories. And I said, I'm gonna keep coming back to this book over and over again because
2: of where the work stokes the memories in my body. Mm. And so I was really just moved by the way that this book permeated how
3: I felt. These are not my memories, but can I feel them in in my breast, in my arm, and holding my face? Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations on a beautifully written collection that I physically feel.
4: Thank you, Ashaki.
3: Oh. And it's also very good to see your face. How many years has it been? Oh no.
4: it's been so long.
3: Oh. <laughs> it's
1: been so long.
3: I could do better.
1: Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I just want to say again, thank you so much to both of you. Um, I mean, you both are so incredible. As shocky, I can just picture like in a leather coat, like definitely a cool like LA girl in.
3: <laughs> I try outside okay. of
1: Pittsburgh where we met at Comic Conum during a retreat, and Alicia and I met during a residency and just like fell in love with one another and go to theater together and celebrate one another. And I just really, both of you were so um, generous with your yeses. So thank you for being here. We are gonna get to hear some of your work um, and let's just go with the poem. So we're gonna do a kind of close, engaged reading with um, the title poem, Blue is Nude. And you'll hear from Ashaki and Alicia, you'll hear their work, you'll hear some of the questions they're gonna pose for us to discuss. And that's how we'll spend the majority of our time together, so thanks.
3: Exciting, exciting. So, I think the plan is that I'm going to read the first two stanzas of Bluest Nude, and then yeah. Alicia is going to read Go the second. Okay, I got you. Bluest Nude. One When my mother was pregnant, she drove every night to the Gulf of Mexico, leaving her keys and a towel on the shore. She waded into the surf.
2: Floating naked on her back, turquoise waves hemming her ears.
3: She allowed the water to do the carrying. It isn't true. My mother lived hours inland and her doctor prescribed bed rest. I want her to be weightless belly up and moonlit or filling a bathtub with hot water and stepping gingerly so as not to slip, easing herself into the cramped tub rimmed with dirt from her husband and son soaking for as many minutes as she could,
2: savoring the water as it turned cold. Two, in the news, there was another incident. If I described how
3: the officer treated the young woman's body, I am also describing the color of her body.
2: Let me refuse simile. I do not wish to write it. So I will
3: pause there, and I will read one of my poems in response to those first two stanzas, if that's okay. Okay. I am choosing to read a poem, an ekphrastic poem, named after a wartime photo, and that photo is titled... The body of an American paratrooper killed in action in the jungle near the Cambodian border is raised up to an evacuation helicopter by Henri
2: Wei. This is a black and white photo. This body, a question and broken compass, north pointing or ascending and bruised like a savior. The body is dead, fully clothed and suspended in a truthful place. When I say truthful, I mean honest as skin. A loose tongue. I'm saying obvious. The body hides
3: nothing but prayer And low tide,
2: retreating all its breathless melody. Now, stiff, slow in its arch, I swear he is a black necked stork cascading.
3: Sure, his mother will open her wail,
2: mouth brimming his iridescent plumage, her body too, passing through surrender.
3: So when I read those first two stanzas, which they seemed so in contrast with each other, but there was the thread of the body that was clear as day because it comes you know in the middle of the book so I was ready I was like where's my body give me that body Um, but what I was thinking of is the body being fragile and a keeper of memory uh, but also experiencing departures so in the first stanza like the unreliable narrator was like yeah my mom heads down to Galveston and she floats in the salt water because of its density and she escapes moonlit. But in actuality, she can't get that far. There's a tub with a ring around it. Um, And then the second stanza, uh, we have a different type of departure, which is much more violent and out of the speaker's control and out of the actor's control. Like another incident happened
2: Police brutality, or someone was taken from us quickly. And I can't help
3: but to think about how close that character is to me or that person is to me. So I'm really interested in, you know, in addition to that unreliable narrator who's like, no, it didn't happen like that, or maybe it did happen like that. I'm interested in the body holding memory, the body being the most honest vessel of memory. Um, you talk about, there's there's one poem where there was even the garden leaving the garden, and there was a missing breast. And there was such like this tenderness and wanting to recognize that absence, but also to be touched and recognized as whole. Um, there's a poem about learning how to take a bath with your cousins um, before you knew the difference between bodies. Like the body is really doing a lot of remembering here.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I, I want to hear more from, from the both of you all about how that worked in the book. And
2: if that's true for you, what does the body remember or does not remember? Thank you. Wow.
4: Do you wanna say something, Alicia? Uh, well, uh, I I feel like I should say something. Um, I am grateful to be here, of course, and just so uh, enamored. Um, uh, thank you for the invitation to celebrate this work. Thank you, Ashaki, for that beautiful reflection. Um, I, I too think a great deal about the visceral space just in my life and certainly in my work. And so to be provoked, Um, into thinking deeply about the collective experiences of women in their bodies, of black folks in their bodies, of black mothers in their bodies is a a tremendous gift. Um, uh, I heard someone say once that um, it is an illusion that we're not connected. And just that he flipped it that way, that he said it's it's an illusion that we're not connected was so powerful to me And, and this work Um, really reminds me of this idea that that we are and that you know in my practice anyway it's quite a solitary practice and you all it may be for you in some ways we have to go away alone and right and it's easy to forget my body and certainly easy to forget the bodies of others and what my body is carrying and what I'm able to conjure because of her (laughs) and what I can't get past because of her. Mm-hmm. So these these play uh, these plays, these poems are, are a blessing and they feel, as Ashaki said, I know that I'll be returning to this work. I'll be re-upping on my, um, my sort of contact with the everything, if you will.
2: Mm. Thank you.
4: Yeah, I think that word remembering
2: is so powerful and useful. Um, I mean, in in the
1: way that, you know, that like coming together, that like
2: unity, wholeness, the hope that um, within our body, there's some kind of restoration. And I mean, that has to do with like, the personal and intergenerational um, trauma,
1: and also like, you know, the outside world and like what our, our quest for justice and how that is a kind of remembering. Um, and I think those are just, so those two dynamics are just really porous, like the, the personal, the political, the, the body, the, the kind of reflection of one's body in, um, someone else's circumstance, violence. It's like, it's all there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I I don't know if I, I don't know if I was as conscious about that until like this period of time when I've been
2: hearing people talk about about the book. Um, But the remembering is also in that first section about what one wishes
1: right so the speaker is saying this is what i wish i wish my mother had a weightlessness you know i wish that she didn't have to carry all of that
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and it's just interesting i think about memory and remembering in that way like that sometimes our vision is not just about
2: the future sometimes our vision is also about past um
3: yeah that's what I would say <laughs> that's uh, beautiful I, I you you give me clarity when you
2: talk about you know what you wanted for mother versus what she
3: what she just had like in what space are you giving memories or trying to reshape the truth of what was happening to accommodate a loved one I find it um, just really interesting the way that you you offer up such care for the the people in the book through through these memories like the idea that you wanted her to be in a car and leaving whatever was happening doesn't matter if it was like just too busy or really kind of tense or she was just tired she needed to go somewhere and be in a different place that gift that you have given through body through restoration through um, the gift of controlling one's own body again that's meaningful in a collection you know, that, that talks about sometimes not being in that body or not having full control of that body or other bodies getting in the way or being taken. So thank you for that clarification.
4: Thank you for that. I have a, a question that just arose. I'm really interested if you all don't mind. Um, do you think of yourselves as retroactively comforting other folks through your work? like consciously? Does it feel like an act of, of love? <laughs> it does as we talk about it right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it does,
1: it does. Yeah. Uh, but I hadn't really, I hadn't really
2: thought about it. I what about you, Shaki?
3: For some people in my life, perhaps my um, my late, Grandmother, my late paternal grandmother, who had a lot of rough moments in her relationship, um, some issues with domestic violence. I write things as if she is stronger and more willing to throw hands. Um, there are some heroic moments in her life, but I give her more of those in hindsight. So she's not here and she's not here to tell her history. I'm gonna tweak
4: that a little bit. Wow, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, thank you both. Um, I believe at this time, if it's all right, <laughs> I'm I'm going to be reading uh, a, a section of the next section of the title poem, as well as sharing uh, a bit of my work. So we move on. Three. In the flower of my body, blossoms belonging at last to me. Sovereign, places where I am no one but myself. Peony and cracked vase, weeping beech and spiraled shell, siren, matron, Jezebel. A rush of bees enters me and I am not stung. Petals unfold in night's bluest hymn. Four, the blue swimming pool, the blue in a record's groove revolving, the pink hydrangea turned powder blue, glory of the snow blue, blue black blue, the blue of a bruise, wild blueberry blue, the blue you pick, the blue you choose, the blue that bucks us like a bull, the blue bowl full of lilacs the blue that falls as tufts of hair from the barber's chair, the blue sun makes, the blue shade of a yellow pine, television blue, cadmium blue, blue twisted into the spools of your DNA, forking into two directions, blue darkening your knees, the blue you miss because though it almost killed you, blue was for a season, your home. Um, and then, um, as she mentioned, Amma generously invited me to share a bit of my work that um, is related. I am um, I'm going to share a bit of a monologue. For context, the speaker is a black woman in her sixties. She, um, in defiance of her community's struggles, they're 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 um, engaged in a generations-long war. She dresses herself ostentatiously, and in this bit of language she's speaking to a young girl, begin. Um, Are you getting your monthly visitor yet? Believe it or not, I don't get mine anymore. The menopause came to bless me early. Oh, it gets good with the menopause. Don't let anyone tell you different. flow is a companion I have not missed in the least. Pregnancy, ha! it's for animals, dear. Can you imagine? breasts and ankles and middle swollen, kitty cats stretched like Play-Doh from here to kingdom come, unless you get the snip, in which case you're stuck with an ugly scar and an ugly baby, gods. I nearly went the way of the kankled housewife, come baby. He had a decent hairline, upward mobility in his career and he never wore slouchy socks. Oh, the love we would make. If you're getting your monthlies, you're old enough to hear this. Oh, the love we would make. One month, my monthly didn't come and I knew. But then after a while of it growing in there, I woke up one morning and the belly was gone. No blood, no nothing. Mr. Upward Mobility offered that we should try it again. We did, same thing. So we tried again and again. Well, I suppose my body figured she'd put a stop to that nonsense because after the sixth time, my monthly stopped coming. No more blood and no more chance of babies. The blood was done with me. Then he got called up and went over to the war. Then I was glad about all of it. What's the use of growing babies when they all get tossed one way or another into the jaws? of? seems my dear nature knew what she was up to. What do some people have against leisure, I wonder? Or is it just that they despise women like us so much that they can't stand the idea of us enjoying ourselves, enjoying our beauty? You know how to, harden my language, make a motherfucker mad? Love this living. Mm-hmm. Love it in your fingernails and to the edges of your hair follicles. Motherfuckers hate that. Um, so I, I felt like there was. Thank you for allowing me <laughs> the space. I felt like there was resonance um, in, between the 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 your language, Alma, and what I just shared, because of the ex, these expressions of um, desire for a space of sovereignty by the speaker in your piece <laughs> and the speaker in mine, and also a, a wanting a space of power that is drawn to the self from the self. Um, This line, um, the bees that enter but do not sting, just conjures this image of a woman who sits in the knowledge that she is perhaps disdained, that there are cultural forces, that there's a gaze, um, which means her harm, but it can't penetrate her. Um, She's self-fortified. And this woman who has managed to uh, insulate herself against the slings and arrows, whatever they may be, is is fascinating to me, empowering to me. Um, And so thank you for that. I don't know, you can speak to your intentions, but that's what I gathered. (laughs) And I wonder for both of you, um, what you might care to share about what it means to carry bees without being stung.
2: Shaggy, do you have something yet? I, my reading, um, my reading yields
3: two interpretations. One as a flower, because this is a stanza, um, that honors blooming, blossoming petals and whatnot, is that um, I'm highly desired. Ha <laughs> ha! That's on record. My bad. <laughs> the speaker is highly desired. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Um, professional. So, when the bees are swarming and they're they're entering the space, they are collecting the pollen, they are falling asleep, pollen drunk, little legs in the air. Um, it's a joyful space for them because I am the speaker is delicious. Um, but also, there's a sound that a swarm of bees make that also sounds either, daunting to some or very joyful. Like in the hive, they are working, living, thriving, listening to Beyonce, whatever. They're doing things together. And it's just kind of like that energy within you um, could also be a celebration. Those were both both of my reads. One, the swarm is a celebration within the person. Or two, the bees are are coming for the sweetness, the speaker's Mm. sweetness. Oh my gosh! Not edit this recording. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're coming for your sweetness. <laughs> yeah, I love That's that. <laughs> of course, you know. I mean, it's like I feel like I'm just learning, listening to you all. So, I think this idea of it—the um, bees being—I guess like a a kind of natural relationship between the flower and the bee. Like a flower is not going to be stung, right? Um, That's what I just thought about listening to you. Like, wow, Yeah. (laughs) yeah, because that's not even a part of the kind of context of that relationship.
2: The flower, it's an impossibility. Um, and then I was thinking also just about, like, a skill
1: set. So what does it mean to carry bees, like, in the language of Alicia? Like, to be trained enough to carry the bees without being stung. Mm -hmm. But I think it probably means a lot of things. (laughs) Um... All right, let's move on. So, you know, we'll see if we'll get to the end, but we're going to keep pushing.
3: (laughs) So, I'll read section five, Mm -hmm. which is concise.
2: Five. There was another incident. If I describe how the
3: officer treated the young woman's body,
2: I am also describing the color of my body. That's it.
3: So this is the second time that incidents are, are mentioned and these incidents, um, quite frankly, they interrupt our sense of safety or they've just kind of revoked our sense of safety. They happen so often every other day, um, every week we're hearing something about um, a loss, a murder. And I wonder how do you as artists control how much these incidents permeate your writing process? So they they're on the page. Um, and I, I wonder if you're purposefully allowing it to move through you and come to the page? Are you pushing it to the side? Are you using it strategically? What are your decisions around engaging these incidents that come again and
2: again and again? Such a good question. I feel like Alicia has a great answer because Alicia
1: made an amazing piece of art that, I mean,
2: singular in its intention and scope,
1: uh,
4: what to send up when it goes down.
2: Mm. Do you want to talk about that a little Sure.
4: Sure. Um, thank you for that question, Ashaki, and thank you for um, bringing what to send up when it goes down into the space. It's a ritual um, that's uh, a ritual response to anti-Blackness that's participatory. Um, and. Um, I think in in that sense I absolutely brought all of my rage into my writing all of my queries all of my desires for a no gaslighting space and my desire to be with other black folks. I remember I was writing at I lived up in Castaic um which I know Ashaki will know that is it's north of Valencia here in LA area and um And I just needed people with me and I needed other people to look at me and say, you're not losing your mind, you're not imagining this. (laughs) And so the writing of that piece in particular, I very much allowed myself to think deeply about every aspect of of encountering uh, the images, the news reports, et cetera, et cetera, related to um, these incidents. it really depends on the work. Sometimes I try to to turn it down because I don't wanna live in a reactive space, a reactionary space, and I, I don't want it to win and to, to control me, but it, it really depends. What about for you, Emma? Yeah,
1: I think it's, I mean, I've certainly, um, I think maybe what's most useful to point out is that struggle that you mentioned.
2: And I don't know,
1: I think there's something about me as a writer that oftentimes, I guess, just refuses, um, which is a little different than in my, in my like my own response as a person and what I do in my own life. Like, I just feel like there's something about um, the attention, which you're describing as winning, <laughs> that I, just refuse i i which is yeah i don't know it's it's something i think it's similar when it comes to like violence against women and you can see that in the longer poem she said in the book like there's just not going to be the front like straight ahead pour it all into this piece of art um there's something about it that's going to be sideways or unsaid or yeah
2: directed Mm -hmm. differently Mm -hmm. so yeah that's what I would say um Mm -hmm. I guess I also I mean in some ways that's like analogous to like how
1: social change work happens meaning we need a spectrum of activities (laughs) Mm -hmm. right like We need all of it. We need artists who are like gonna show up.
2: We need people who are gonna show up, you know, again and again and again. And we also need a quiet or need to rest or
1: need to turn our attention somewhere else. Like it's,
2: so
1: I guess it's maybe about having Feeling like you have the right to do anything. <laughs> that is the most important thing. Because I can, when I think about my experience of um,
2: your work and that ritual, Alicia, it was a place for me to put things that I
1: can't do every day. I can't do that kind of grief every day. I can't do that kind of rage every
2: day. I can't. I mean, none of us can, but it was like this vessel um, to be a community and to process some of that. So yeah, we need it for sure.
4: Oh wonderful. Um, Yeah, thank you for for sharing that. And really thank you for that question, Ashaki. I think I wanna make sure that we get through the last section, which I meant to read. Um, So I will proceed. Six. Then the last piece, a solemn veil lifted and tossed to the floor. I know the history of my body is a pair of hacked off hands playing the piano. Day after day in the artist's studio, I smell the melon's ripe decay. I draw a second body, then a third, and so on. My bodies reveal nothing and conceal nothing. Pin up beauty, runaway, Venus of the circus act, night walker, wet nurse, odalisque, reclining nude. The women are me and are not only me. Ours are the only eyes. We construct our seeing as clay or wood into fig- figurines of air. We perceive their shapes and uses just as wind is seen by watching leaves. These are the paintings I make of myself. Art is drawn on the cave of my body. There are as many walls inside me as there are bones at the bottom of the sea. It matters little how small I am in the pool of another's eye. It's awe or indifference I crave. I want to be seen clearly or not at all. The moon is an eye flung open, useless without a pupil. It soothes me, this not seeing. Painters have gone blind, staring at the sun. At the center of a hurricane is an eye, in the midst of which one believes the storm is over. A woman's face can break, fall as quickly as night. Sometimes, when I cry, all of the eyes which are mine, painted, sketched, photographed, begin to shed blue tears. I catch them in my hands or with pots and pans, or let them fall as drifts of snow. I eat them by the fistful. When you look at me in our most intimate exchanges, you drape my nakedness in a fabric I neither sewed nor bought. You pin my beauty with a tack against the wall, or me against a four-poster bed, thighs laid, nipples spilling spoiled milk. In every light, the fact of history strips me blue. These are the conditions. The point is to go on, drawing myself as water from a well. I can no longer believe in an innocence that was never mine. It is impossible to draw a self-portrait without the other women figured onto my flesh like barnacles fixed to a gray whale. I am rough to touch. I am the yellow song of a blue pain. The women and I walk a tightrope of night. Our eyes adjust to growing darkness. We make of our vision knowingness. It's love the women and I make. Love fashions our sight. We drink from the waters that were once snow. We are quenched and we are thirsty. Wow. That is <laughs> quite a bit of extraordinary language and imagery and conjuration to sit with for just a moment. Um, I um, I want
2: to think about one section in particular.
4: Um, you write, uh, sometimes when I cry, all of the eyes, which are mine, painted, sketched, photographed begin to shed blue tears. I catch them in my hands or with pots and pans or let them fall as drifts of snow. I eat them by the fistful. And then near the end of the piece, there's another sort of invocation of um, consumption. When you say we drink from the waters that were once snow, we are quenched and we are thirsty. This idea of like, catching and hoarding and consuming what could be the body's proof of many things, including sorrow. Um, It feels like allowing a kind of blueness to be generative, to be fuel, to be propulsive, um, a space of fecundity, which brings to mind something um, I heard recently on a podcast about uh, hopelessness. Um, where the poet facilitator Beo Akomolafe asserts that many things, asserts many things, including that the invitation of hopelessness is to quote, re-enchant our relationship with the world, to bring us back into relationship with the manifold. And I just thought that was such a beautiful framing or reframing, um, because I think hopelessness is, (laughs) is usually, um, spoken about or thought about as just a, a space of defeat and despair right so engaging with your work has done this for me it has re-enchanted my relationship <laughs> to the manifold and as I said earlier to the collective to the everything um and um I wonder what it has re-enchanted for you both for you Ashaki as a reader who experienced this work as I did in your in your own way and for you Amma as it's as its
2: writer. I will offer that after reading
3: this book, I am leaning more towards vulnerability in my own writing. Like the way that the content was handled by putting the self first, by putting the wound first, the injury first, the uncomfortable memories first, um, made me feel more engaged in the work and also made me feel like i was in the work um not that you were speaking of me but that i could relate to all things and like a song that i've never heard i can anticipate the chorus because you put those things first Mm. talking about the thread again um, or the the tendons or the sinews of emotion sadness revelation like those pieces are what keep me um, attached here. And I'm just so delighted with the work. I wanna see what I can do. And I haven't told you about my schedule lately. Like writing is not something that comes very easily to me, but I read this book and I was like, oh, I'm about to tear up a page. So (laughs) that was my my re-enchantment. Thank you for this vitamin that's now going to solve all my writing problems. Yeah. I love
1: it. Thank you. Thank you for that good question. Um, uh, I guess I could, I mean, I, I I think I'm more gonna gush about just the experience of having a book to share with people, which I just feel like best kept secret. Literally all my friends are writers, but no one really talks about how incredible it is to have like just a reader at a time kind of experience something that you've crafted. And I feel re-enchanted with just connection. Yeah, connection and joy. (laughs) So I I mean, and included in that is just um, the honor, I feel that you all spent this time and the kind of intimacy an exchange that I feel like we've been able to have, which is like, you know, selfishly just feels like for me, Um, (laughs) I got to see people who I care about and talk about things that are important to us. So thank you so much for being here and for your reading and for your sharing and for your work um, and for being on the planet. And thank you to Skylight Books for hosting us, and that for being a complete wizard um, and getting us over here to a platform that worked.
3: Thank I you got so that. Good save. Yeah, we <laughs> made it. <laughs> All right,
1: so I guess I'm gonna say good night then. Y'all want to say bye?
3: I think so bye everybody thank you for bye. your time and go get this book on the yeah. real this is what it looks like well this is yeah. what it looks like with post-its and writing in it and a broken spine <laughs> go read this book definitely thank you.
2: <laughs>
3: bye everybody
1: thanks for coming y'all are beautiful okay. bye, bye.